quoted over. It said, Do you take the day to think up these things you're going to say at night? It sure take quite a day, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, Christian, my brother, I never take one thought of what I'm going to say in the pulpit. I'll read a scripture somewhere. And I, I've made announcements many times that I would go to the pulpit, I'd go to preach on a certain subject, get the other Holy Ghost, turn me right back around, make me do something else. I've tried it two or three times to write out notes and preach on notes. As <laughs> long as I'm looking at notes, i got my mind off of God. So I just had to go ahead and crumble them up and throw them down and just whatever he says. Sometimes I start in Genesis and wind up in Revelation. <laughs> so I'm not very much of a of a minister just to, to, I have to get my messages from above. And I, I read a scripture, like I said, on the mark of the beast. I, my wife, my mother and Emmett knows, my mother-in-law sitting here, which is at the house at the time, I just, long about three o'clock in the afternoon, I start praying. I go and start praying. Then I just uh, uh, go down, I think, well, I said I'd speak tonight on the mark of the beast. I'll go over and I brought tonight for the answer a, a Crudence Concordance. And that's to get answers, or not, not answers, but you know what a Concordance is, is all the words of the Bible wrote out. So I just hunt the Concordance to find out sometime where the person's question's at. But being mostly as a see one of my friends here I met in the store, or by the store this afternoon, he, uh, we were talking about these questions and so forth like that. Now, all my life I've had, since I've been a minister, I've had to battle with pretty near everything. I never went to any seminary school, and the only thing I've ever learned has been what he's told me. And then I just stayed on it and, and believed it, and I've had to combat pretty near everything that I, I believe around the world, I, they, over in Africa, in different places, in the foreign fields, you find isms that America never thought of. And that's drove right into you. But the main thing I've always tried to stand just on this word right here. Not just on one scripture. It has to come all the way through the Bible. Now, you can take one scripture and make it say anything. Do you know infidels use this Bible for their textbook of debate? Sure. But it's got to be the same all the way. Now, if you'll excuse the expression, just so for the way of education to us, the Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. It's been cut up. Exactly. And you'll have to look to Christ Jesus, the pattern, to know how to put it together. If you don't, you take your own opinion, you'll have in your scene a cow picking grass on top of a tree, the first thing you know. It just won't work right. But if you'll just let the Holy Spirit, just don't use your own mind when you're studying the Bible. If you try to use your own knowledge or your own mind, you'll certainly get turned around every time. For Christ said, I have hid it from the eyes of of the seminary, yes. wise and prudent, and will reveal it to babes such as will learn. I have hit it so there's no schools and boards and, and church boards teach the scripture in the way it should be. That's a great thing to say. They may have lots of truth, but the Holy Spirit reveals it to individuals. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is for individuals. That's the reason the organization Get the people out of the line of God every time. Because God gives something new constantly. He's moving on like that. And, um, but this is always the background. Watch and see it as it peels off in the Bible. 
Look at how it's peeling off in time. Then you can see where you're getting to. Now, in these answers, as I have said, I'm a very poor teacher. But uh, I want to say that what I know of it, I wish to, to explain it to others. And if you differ and say, well, Brother Branham, I just don't believe it that way, that's all right. That doesn't break us from being brothers anymore. See? We're just brothers. I, if you want to be a, uh, a belong to the temple of continuity, <laughs> that's all right with me, you see. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll still be partners and go right along. And, and I believe good old-fashioned sanctification will make you feel that way about it, don't you? Amen. That's right. Make us agree. This man standing last evening, standing right here, was a position of that kind. And, uh, and I've met, here's the Archbishop of India here, over 470 million people. And he come, he heard about it, and he come over here. He said, "Is this the truth?" I said, "It is." He said, "How do I receive the Holy Ghost? Laying on of hands, laid hands on him, and the Holy Ghost come on him." He stood in Chicago over here a few weeks ago at the big Christian businessman meeting. Said, "I had all the cardinals and everything else laying hands on me over there. The great man with great bishops and so forth laying hands on me when they ordained me the Archbishop of India, Episcopalian." Archbishop of India and uh, President of the Christian Fellowship of India, the greatest religious uh, mark in India. And he said there wasn't nothing happened when they laid hands on me. He said, I come over here to a guy that didn't know his ABCs hard and laid hands on me and I received the Holy Ghost. He said, strange one. See? So it doesn't come by education or knowledge. It comes by humbling yourself before God. Amen. That's right. And then, here's how you know that you're a Christian, by the fruits you bear. Yes. Now, not by the way you shout. I believe in shouting, but it's not whether you shout or not, I, uh, or whether you speak with tongues or not. That I believe in speaking with tongues. It isn't whether you heal the sick or not. I believe in healing, but here's the fruits of the Spirit, love, Amen. joy, Amen. peace, long-suffering, Amen. goodness, gentleness, patience. That's the fruit of the Spirit. See? And if those signs follow you, then I, I kind of believe that's what Jesus told me to look for. He said, this will all men know that you're my disciples when you have uh, <laughs> when you have love one for another. Although the man might differ with you, yet you love him. Or if you just love those who love you, what reward have you? Sinners do the same thing. See? See? But you must love those who hate you. Not just make out you love them, but really love them. Amen. Thank Amen. you. <laughs> Amen is right. See, if a man really hates you, and he truly hates you, and still in your heart you love him, you're getting pretty close to the kingdom. Amen. That's right. I just don't love him and say, well, I know I'm supposed to do it, but you love him anyhow. If you don't love him from your heart, if you say you love him when you don't, you know what that makes you? Hypocrite, see? So don't walk up and tell him you do less you really do. If you don't feel that way, just stay right here until you feel that way. Because I'll assure you there's sufficient grace to make you feel that way. Amen. <laughs> That's right. It really will. Now, now these questions, and remember now, strike in this services, all those things are not directed to anybody's church, anybody's belief. Not at all. I'm only in my own little old tabernacle here, 
just expressing my feelings on these subjects. See? And now if you're different, that'll be all right. You know there's no, hardly any two of us here, there isn't any of you that's got a thumb alike. None of our noses are alike. I guess you're glad you haven't got one like mine, but, but, it's, uh, but there's none here alike. See? And uh, then we're going to differ. Now, I might like cherry pie and you like apple, but we're both eating pie. <laughs> that's just the, the thing. So we that's the idea. As long as we love the Lord Jesus and is born again of the Spirit of God, we're Christians. Now, church can't do that for you. Jesus can do that for you. And now, in these questions, looking in here, there's some pretty singers in there. And so, in answering them now, everybody take real good inventory of this, see, mark it down, I'm only answering them the best of my knowledge by the Word of God. See? And if it isn't answered correctly to your, and you, another question, why you're, I just love for you to put it back on the platform or come talk to us about it or anything that we could do. And maybe Brother Neville out here, we might see things that we don't disagree upon. And and Mr. Baxter, one of my closest associates in my meeting, Mr. Baxter, we've been together for years, and a real Bible expositor he is, but he doesn't believe in the millennium. And I come and I said, Brother Baxter, how are you going to get around this scripture? He'd jump one side. I said, I don't act like a grasshopper. You sit right still, see? And I said, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years on the earth. And what about that? He said, I'll be a thousand years only means for a certain space. I said, now, wait a minute. You're taking serious. The Bible said a thousand years. Amen. <laughs> Amen. They, they just kept jumping around. But they see, we didn't, but we didn't fall out. <laughs> Whether it's a millennium or not, we're going home to heaven together because he's born again. <laughs> he's got the Holy Spirit. So that's the way I want you to feel about these questions. These are only my best of my knowledge to you. Then... If I seen someone sitting here and they believe that uh, Jesus was coming riding a white horse, and I believe he was coming in a white cloud. Now, if I said white horse just because my friend believed a white horse, yet scripturally I believe he was coming riding on a cloud, I'd be a hypocrite. That's right. I must express myself just how it is and give my reason why. Paul said, um, be ready at all seasons, be instant. In season, out of season, ready to give a man an answer for the hope that lies within you, see. And that's what we try to do. Now, I feel that these scriptures, some of them here, are just little comments and so forth, and I'll try to answer them first, which I try to segregate them. And I may have to uh, have this use the concordance for a little while to get some of this out. And then in here, if I misquote or anything, you, you perfectly call my attention, you see. And write me a note and tell me. Now, before we try to open this, the reason I'm doing this, friends, I tell you it's for a purpose. All of you know that. This meeting was for a purpose. I believe God turned me around that snowstorm and sent me back for this very purpose right here. And there's just been a little something wrong around the tabernacle here for a long time. I want to find it. When I find that, then I'm going to see if I can do something about it. That's right. And I want the church to move along in harmony. And there's just a little something wrong because you're not progressing. You're getting people saved. That's true. That's wonderful. But you're not progressing the way you should. Amen. We ought to be turning out preachers and everything. 
the message should be going right along. Amen. I had our brother pastor out, and we went to the mills together, <laughs> brother Ned and I. And I and I want to see if, as uh, one of your pastors, it's um, it's my duty. Amen. And uh, last evening, just when I see anything, it's just in the church now. And that's the reason I never advertise this meeting. I just give it out just while everybody's welcome. Sure, we want you to come. And uh, but it's just in this church. And I thought if I'll teach on the first night what the church of day and age geographically in the Bible where we're positionally setting, then the church surely will wake up on that. And then speak on the mark of the beast and let them see what that is. And then the seal of God, that's the pro and con now. That's the dark and light now. That's either in or out now. And that's the most essential thing to be part of now. And I tell you, friends, I say this in my heart before God humbly. I have never felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak the words that I have in the last three nights. That's right. But it just carried me away that I go home couldn't even sleep after I got home. Just such anointing. Now, I throw these out here in hopes that I would find something somewhere. <laughs> Get the feeling of the people all on a piece of paper here. If I don't find this this way and the Lord don't reveal it to me, I'll keep on until I do find it. God will bring it Amen. to me. Right. And so then when we find it, it may be just a little old wedge buried over somewhere, but Achan had one too. You know, we got to get rid of that thing. Amen. And then we'll come right on and move along in the kingdom of God. Now the Lord bless you. And now before we open up the word, and now, now each one of you has a Sunday school in the morning. Of course, you're, yeah, I wouldn't ask you to miss your Sunday school. At, at your post of duty, your church. That's right. But now, if you don't go to Sunday school, come up and see us in the morning. And as your church isn't having services tomorrow night on Sunday, you're welcome. We'd be glad to have you at any time. Right. And um, so the Lord bless you. And greet all the Christians for me. I don't get here very much. I was just looking in the room there. A little paper I've got wrote in there. It's still set here as memorial to this church. And I said, the Lord is calling me away. And we all cried and wept. I remember the first night I went. You all remember my first call, anybody here? You all took up the money to send me over to St. Louis where little Betty Darty was healed. I stayed. Remember, I borrowed somebody's overcoat here to wear. I didn't have any coat to wear. And I went over and sat in an old chair car to go to St. Louis. You remember the time? And I borrowed one of the brother's coats. It was too big for me. I carried it on my arm because it was cool. And I didn't have a coat. And then we went over and I went to St. Louis. I met Brother Darty there. His little girl, all the doctors around there, specialists in the hospitals would give her up. She was like a raging maniac. Ministers throughout the city had been everywhere in there praying for her. I went in and prayed for her, and the poor people just looked so great. And the little girl in there screaming and crying, fighting. And she couldn't make a noise like a human anymore. It sounded like an animal. She was so hoarse from all around three or four months. It was uh, spinal meningitis, or no, sandpitis of dance in the, in the spine. And her little lips was all eating, bleeding, her little fingers just bleeding all over where she biting her fingers and things like that, and just screaming and going on. And I prayed, went out to church, waited hours after hours, sat out in the old car and waited. I wasn't going to leave that case I heard from heaven. And sitting there in the car, a vision broke before me. They go tell the father, and the father said, to go tell the woman that the other day downtown she bought a little white kettle. It's never had water in it before. 
and said, tell her to look in the third drawer and she'll find a handkerchief that's in a piece of paper that's never been used before. Tell her to fill it with water, stand the father on your right hand and the grandfather on your left hand and repeat, our father who art in heaven. And as you start that, let her wipe the rag across his face. Then in the middle of prayer, have her touch his hands and his feet, and then stand and say, Thus saith the Lord. You know what happened, don't you? She was healed right there, and we put her hands together and walked down the street and drank a soda pop together. This third St. Louis meeting there, 14,000 the first night. And it's just too bad that I got away from that. To go and just start them coming through a line, just one right after the other and after the other. Just go to a house and stay there until it's over and return home. I believe that would have been better than all the meetings. All right, let's bow our heads while we speak to the author of this word now. In the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ, we approach thee, our Father, and in his name we ask for divine mercy that thou will forgive our sins and trespasses against you. And if there's any sin in this little church tonight, we pray, Lord, as, uh, as a servant standing here, as a shepherd over the sheep, as the Bible said, take heed to the flock in which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer over, that you feed them. And now, Father, I intercede for them that you will bless them and remit all their sins, heal the sickness that's in the midst of the people. And Heavenly Father, I pray that your mercies will be upon us now. Here, laying before me, written on paper, from many homes and many peoples, lays requests, real deep Bible questions. It goes beyond the ordinary schooling. And we need your help, Lord Jesus. And just picking these up now, walking into the room, having prayer, walking out, separating them here and laying the ones that should be answered now to one side and the others that has to go into Scripture to the other. That's as far as I know at this time, Lord. And I pray that from right now you will take up from here on and anoint your people here tonight, the lips of the speaker, the ears of the ear, and made up. Holy Spirit, come and take a hold of the Word now and move it right into every heart. And may it be received in the spirit of kindness and may it be given likewise. And may it, when the services is over tonight, may we go home saying, Did not our hearts burn within us because of His presence and His blessings. Lord, not knowing what to say, I commit myself to you with these questions in Jesus Christ's name for the answer. Amen. Thank you, friends, for your reverence. I just want to just show you what many, the most of these questions were. Brother Bill, please carry on to next week. Please stay another week. Please stay a little longer. Brother Bill, please stay next week a little longer. Our souls are hungry for this kind of food. Does this church teach that you... That's the, I'm sorry. That's the wrong place. I have two boys, ages two... That's, I got that mixed up, I guess, on it. Um, 
I hear I better get that over here too. That's concerning a personal affair. Brother Bill, would you uh, would you like one more week? We would like one more week of this gospel teaching. My request is that you stay another week. I would like very much for you to stay a little while longer. You know we are always um, we can always learn more. Amen. Uh, will you stay just a, another week longer, please? Amen. Brother Bill, please preach one more week for us. We need this. <laughs> Brother Bill, my prayer is that God will change your mind and make you stay another week. <laughs> my question is, what are the flying saucers? And they are something from God standing out uh, for a sign. And I am asking you to stay another week. <laughs> Please stay another week. <laughs> and this was the request. Now, here was another who said, I, I, I appreciate this asking. And Almighty God, who is my judge standing here now, in this sacred spot, before I left home, the Spirit of the Lord told me, said, this question will be laying on here tonight. I know nothing about it, but I know it will be here. Is Jehovah Witness a false sect? See, somebody and the Holy Spirit at the place, at the standing in my bathroom before coming down here, God, who is my solemn judge, told me that will be laying on a platform and said, I wouldn't say nothing about it. Just go on. <laughs> See? So, uh, you know what I said last night, don't you? <laughs> All right. That's right. Boy. All right. Now we'll start over here on some of these. I just don't like to call right out any certain thing. Uh, and say some person or something individual like that. Um, I just like to teach it in a way of just throw the whole thing together and, and you understand, don't you? <laughs> if I'd stand here and say, now, Brother Neville is so and so and certain, certain things, if I had that to say about him, I'd go up to his house and call him out and talk to him about it. <laughs> See, I'd, I'd tell Brother Neville. But now, here is some questions. Now, I don't know where to start with it, just a group of them laying here. It says, what connection did you mean about the Protestant church having with the Catholic church? What does the image of the beast mean? Now, that was one of the questions from last, uh, probably is on the people. Now, I'll try my best, by God's help, uh, to answer them the best of my knowledge. Now, if he will give me knowledge, because God knows that. I just picked them up here on the platform. Now, what connection did you mean about the Protestant church having with the Catholic church? Now, I'll answer that one first, God helping. I said that the Catholic church was the, we found out that the mark of the beast night before last had to come out of Rome. Is that right? It can't come out of no other country but Rome. There's where it's seated, that's where it's placed. And I said, I have nothing against Catholic people, nothing against anyone. We're all mortal trying to get to heaven. The Pope is one fellow who teaches. The Archbishop of Canterbury is another, and another, and another, and another. And I'm just one of the teachers, that's all. 
they'd teach and say, perhaps I was a fanatic and I was wrong and so forth, and I have a right, if I can prove it by the Scripture, or if they can prove it by the Scripture that I'm a fanatic, then I'm a fanatic. But if I can prove by the Scripture that they're wrong in their setup, and it's wrong, the Scripture's right. And it just had not one place now, it has come all the way through the Bible, everywhere. Now, I said the Catholic Church was the mother church, and that's exactly right. The Catholic Church is the mother church when it comes to church organizations. The Catholic Church was the first church that was ever formed, around about the best history you have, about 8606, somewhere along in there, when the early fathers, the second or third around of the apostles, they had died out and began to scatter out in little isms, and the Romans being converted, the Roman Empire ruled the state, and then church and state united together and started a religion called the universal religion, and the word Catholic means universal. They organized the church which was the first time that religion, Christian religion, was ever organized in all the world's history. The Jewish religion never was an organization. It was a free people. They had churches, but they didn't have an organization. God dealt with a nation, not an organization. It was a nation. And now, and then the Catholic Church was the first organization. Then we pick that up in the Bible to find out what that organization was, and according to the Word of God, it was supposed to be uh, controlled by a single man, one man. And that man was to be in a church that was set on seven hills in Rome, according to the Bible. There's no, and he was supposed to have ruling power in every nation in the world, religious ruling power. There's not another in the world. And, and communism, we found out, was not no, no antichrist that Jesus spoke of. Communism is, a, is not a nation like Russia. Communism is a spirit. America is eat up with it. It's in the churches, it's in the people, it's in business, it's in everywhere. Communism is the spirit of it. It's in schools, it's in homes, everywhere. And then... Then when they organized this church, which was contrary, and now we've taken the seven church ages and prophecy, exactly the way God brought them off to the Bible here to us, and we found out by history and the Bible that each age come in just according to the Bible, according to history. Each one come in just at the time to the Dark Ages, and then the Catholic Church formed in the Dark Age, then the Reformation come on, which is Martin Luther. And Martin Luther had a life, the life that the just shall live by faith, justification by faith. And in the Reformation, a German priest which denied and said that the taking the communion when he held it and he was supposed to say, this is the body of Christ, and he threw it in the floor and said, it is not the body of Christ, it's a wafer. And so he renounced the Catholic Church in doing so and come out in the early Reformation. Martin Luther did that, and that was a wonderful move. Now, the, while Luther made his mistake, Luther organized another group, just like the Catholic Church did, organized the people. Then directly a new light come on. And when the new light come on, God moved out with his people. The people that was organized in Lutheran church, they had to stay with their church in order to be with the... That just same as the Catholics had to be, but many of the Catholics come out and was Lutherans. Well, then when Wesley come along with the message of sanctification, 
Then many of the Lutherans couldn't leave their church, but many of them did and made up the Wesley Church. Then after justification, sanctification, a long time Pentecost. And then Pentecost, many come out of Methodists and so forth and become Pentecost because it was a greater light. Now Pentecost is organized just exactly like every one of them. Now the Bible says that these are flat words, but I read them from the Bible. And you listen to your doctor or so forth say this, and I'm your brother teaching from the Scripture. The Bible called the Catholic Church a prostitute, a whore, W-H-O-R-E. And he called the Protestant churches that followed it mothers, or they were harlots of this mother. And what connection it was that the Catholic Church organized the thing and made all people believe in the light they had then or what they had then. The Lutherans did the same thing. And the Bible said that she was a great woman of that type. Now, what is that type of woman? Is a woman that lives, it commits adultery. And the churches are committing spiritual fornications with the, with the people. See? They are, they are, here's the Bible that teaches this, and they make up a bunch of creeds and so forth that has nothing to do with the Bible. And for, this is nearly 20-something years I stood right here and asked any minister at any time to come and take, not your textbook, your creed, but come take the Bible in the light of the Bible and prove it wrong. Right. And about contradictions, they say contradictions, I've offered as much as two months' wages if someone will show me one contradiction in the Bible. It's not there. You think it's there, but it isn't. If the Bible contradicts itself, it's no good at all. You can't believe it. Every word's inspired, and there's no contradiction in the Bible. Now, the Protestant church in its organization is, according to God's word, connected the same thing with the Catholic church. Now, I have nothing against Catholic people. Some of my dearest friends sitting right here now is gross of Catholic people. Your night will last when I give a harsh message uh, through the Holy Spirit, all Protestant Catholics, the Catholics walk right here, the altars shut my hands. They're human beings. Just the same as we are. You can't discuss with Catholic priests because they don't believe this Bible to be all the Word. They say it's the church. We say it's the Bible. The Catholic says, we Catholics go to church and worship. You Protestants stay home and read the Bible. I said, yeah, you go to church and worship, but what? That's the next thing. Now, but God said he was in his Word. This is God's Word. Amen. And I believe it. I'm a Bible worshiper. That's the reason I disagree with Protestantism and the, and the way of, of this church organization. Because they teach things that isn't the Word of God. So I can't help from disagreeing. Amen. I don't fall out with them. No, sir, they're my brethren. And I don't fall out with them, but I disagree with them. Because I have to take what God says and let everything else be alive. And now, that's the connection. That, and now the Bible said that this woman, the Catholic Church, which was supposed to be called in the Bible, Revelation, the 17th chapter, a whore. And she was a mother of harlots. And we see that the Bible said that a woman represented a church. So then if she had daughters, harlots, it couldn't be boys. It had to be daughters, so it had to be churches. And Protestantism was born out of Catholicism. And now... The next beast, the next thing is just a, what does the image of the beast uh, mean? It's, it's a joint question to that. 
and the person who asked it has a good question. What makes now if the Bible clearly teaches that the Catholic Church is a the beast, the Bible said that a beast means a power. Is that right? A beast, the Bible says that the beast meant a power, and the beast was the Vatican City, the Catholic hierarchy. All right. And now that was the power of the church that was the beast. Then the Protestant church come out of the Catholic church and organize themselves a little power. That is the image. If anything, if something was made in my image, it'd have to look like me. If something made in the image of this church, it'd have to look like the church. Something was made a beast, made an image unto this beast, which was Lutheranism, Methodism, Baptism, Pentecostalism, Holinessism, all them isms, formed up into an organization and made an image just like the beast. There it is. Now, do you say that, Brother Branham, that all Catholics, all Methodists, and all Baptists are going, I didn't say that. There's thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of born-again Christians in those churches. But in their organization, they're trying to drive them to a creed and they won't stand for it. A, a church, when it organizes, it comes under a creed. And I have no creed but the Bible. This is God's creed and the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of that. And he brings it on from one light to another. The gospel I'm preaching today, if I shall live to see uh, another hundred years, if we would, there'll be more light. Just constantly, it's always come. You used to ride an ox cart your great-grandfather when he went to see grandmother. Dad went to see mother in a T-model. But now we almost go on a jet plane. See? Amen. We're moving on. Science moving on. Education moving on. The gospel moving on. And the Bible said they would. Said they'll run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So that's the joint. That's the reason there's the, the Protestant denominational Churches is the image of the beast because it's denominated just exactly like Catholicism is and God never did order his church to be organized in any age but has always bitterly condemned it. How do you get it? Not the people, the church. When they try to bring people under a, a light of here. What if people try to get you to go back and start running around in an ox cart? You wouldn't stand for it. We're living in a better age. That's the way it is back there. If somebody tried to tell me, oh, the only thing you have to do is this, that, I'm living in another age. I, that's the trouble with ministers. They're always looking back here. A French scientist said less than 300 years ago, if a man would ever make the terrific speed of 30 miles an hour, gravitation would take him from the earth. 30 miles an hour. Well, do you think if science would refer back to that today? Far be it. No, sir. They've got him going about nine or ten hundred miles an hour. Yes, sometimes in a rocket, nearly sixteen hundred miles an hour, and still taking forward. Science has taken man far more forward, greater things with his mind than what, and that's the only thing he has is the tree of knowledge. Farther than the ministers taking with his spirit, which is unlimited. But here's what it is. The science ain't looking back to what science said a few years ago. Science is taking what they got now and moving forward for something else. But you ask the preacher, well, we'll see what Moody said about it. We'll see what West 
they said about it. I don't care what they said about it. I know what God said about it now. Amen. This is it. And I'm still looking for greater. Amen. That's it. That's the reason the Bible said three unclean spirits come out of the mouth of the beast. And you know what an unclean spirit said? Like frogs. Do you ever notice how a frog looks? A frog's always looking backwards. Never looks forward. <laughs> looking back. Always back. Look back. But the four beasts that had the four different heads in Ezekiel was looking forward and they couldn't go backwards. They were moving forward all the time. Everywhere they went, they were going straight forward. See the difference? Now, that's the connection that Protestantism has with Catholicism. So you're always throwing off on the Catholic. But pot can't call kittle black. Right. I say, are you a Christian? I'll give you to understand I belong to the Baptist Church. That has more to do with it than say that you belonged out here to the uh, a farm somewhere. Well, I belong to the Catholic Church. That still don't make you a Christian. Belong to the Baptist or Methodist Church don't make you a Christian. There's only one way to be a Christian. The word Christian means Christ-like. And you can't do it. You can't work it in yourself. There's no way at all you can do it. You have to forget yourself, die out to yourself, and let Christ come in and live the life of Christ in you. Amen. Except the man, here's what Jesus said, except the man be born of spirit and of water, he will in no wise enter the kingdom. Whether he's Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, or whatever, you'll have to be baptized in water for the remission of your sins and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost or you're lost. That's Jesus' own word. So now, if you're Methodist and have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and baptized in water, Jesus says you'll enter heaven. If you're Catholic and have done the same thing, you'll enter heaven. But if you're just holding on to that creed of the Catholic Church or the Methodist or the Baptist Church, you're still lost. And that's Amen. the reason we got the condition of the world we got today. Because people are just exactly, they say, that's against my faith. You believe in divine healing? That's against my faith. That's against your church. Your church's creed got that made up. See? You have to do what the church says, and then you heart the Catholic. That's the same thing they do. And that's the beast and the image of the beast. And the Bible says, Whosoever took it could not enter the kingdom of heaven, but would be cast out or dogs and sorcerers and so forth, and would be tormented with fire and brimstone and the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb forever and forever. Amen. Come out of it, friend. Get right with God. Amen. Yes, sir. And now, let me get this while we're getting while we now someone asked me today, two or three times I've been asked. Brother Dan speaking on the mark of the beast, don't you believe they'll tattoo a number in your head? Or tattoo something on your hand? No, sir. Don't never look for that. It'll be a boycott. Certainly no man can buy or sell unless he belongs to the Confederation of Churches. Amen. That's true. Now it'll come like a union. Amen. Unionizing the thing. Bring it down. Unionize religion. Mark my word. Amen. It ain't far off. Amen. You'll see it. She's just around Amen. the corner. The reason you don't know these things, you're here at home all the time. Amen. Follow me over these countries where Catholicism has the upper hand one time and you see what takes place. Brother, they tell them all what to do and what not to do. Right. And here the Bible speaks that the United States, we picked it up in prophecy. 
come up like a lamb, freedom of religion, and directly they united those things together, and he spake like a dragon and exercised the same power the dragon had before him. That's the USA. That's right. A minister said to me not long ago, a friend of mine said, Brother Branham, God will never let the United States fall because of the basis of its forefathers founded on religion. I said, he let the Jews sure carried away. They had a lot better standing than had. That's right. God ain't no respect of some generations past. You either walk the line or you're out of the kingdom. That's all. Amen. Truly. That's pretty rough. But that's good for you. That's right. It's the scripture. Amen. And we got, we, the trouble of this today, some of you old timers know this, we got too much Hollywood evangelism. Amen. That's right. Too much up with a whole lot of racket and carrying on a lot of glamour and everything like that and tooting horns and so forth. And who will stand up except Christ as personal Savior? God bless you, brother. Go to heaven right now. That's a lie. That's a lie. Except the man be born again. And if he's born again, the same blessing that comes to him there will come to him here. And we've been through that over and over through the scriptures the last week and find out that in the eastern people, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the Jews, which were an oriental eastern people, the Holy Spirit fell with great signs and manifestations. The Bible said there would be almost a, a time where it couldn't even tell like darker days. It was time of cloudy days. Come on until the last part of the evening and then the sun would come out a few minutes in the last evening. It'll be light in the evening. Is that right? Amen. Well, that's the Western people, the Gentiles, receiving the same Holy Spirit that the Amen. Jews received back there with the same signs of salvation. That's it. And Amen. coarse people, the world's going to call you a fanatic, cracked at the head. The Bible, Jesus said they would do it. Amen. You're peculiar people, and you are odd, because it's so much different. I noticed it in my own neighborhood at home. The people there. They're even my little children. We try to keep them clean and live decent as can be. But you can watch the neighbors make a difference in the children. See? They make a difference. And I know. I have a way of knowing things, and you know that. You've seen it in the meeting. Know that the pastors of the city say, Well, now, Billy's a good boy. We have nothing against him. But you see, that's just a little different class of people than what we are. Thank God. Amen. <laughs> right. Thank God. Amen. That's the mark. There's the mark we're talking about. Look last night when the Holy Spirit predicted 900 years before the Jews received the Holy Ghost and told them what it would be. The Ankhorn, remember the Ankhorn writer, went through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark in their forehead. Is that right? Amen. Spoke of it before the church was condemned by God. And the Titus seized the walls of Jerusalem in 1896 and burnt the city, and there wasn't one stone left upon another, and according to the prophecy, and today the only thing they got left the temple is an old wall laying there where they heaped up the stones and it's rubbed slick where the Jews weep and wail there at the wailing wall. The only thing left is the temple. And the Muslim of Omer stands at the same place. And Jesus said, as spoken by the prophet Daniel, when you see the abomination that maketh desolation standing in the holy place, then he's underlined in parentheses, let him that readeth understand. Amen. That's right. There it was. And he told how many day, times it would be until the Gentiles would be, this decision would be cut off, they'd chop the walls down, then God would return to the Jews. And we're right at that time. Amen. Here's the Jews returning back for the thousands in the last few years. And you know how we went through it last night, how the scripture perfectly, just like reading a newspaper, and more plainer. Amen. Or you get more sense out of it. Now, 
But however, the mark that was put on their head was not tattooed, was it? What was it? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what is the mark that's going to be for this last age? The Bible said the seal of God was the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the people in the last age. Amen. Now there's no uh, Ephesians 4.30. Wherefore, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. The Bible speaks in Ephesians 1.13. says the same thing. Many other places Amen. that the Holy Spirit is the seal of God. What is a seal? A seal cannot be put on anything until it's complete. The Lutherans wasn't sealed. The day of dispensation of grace wasn't completed. They preached justification. Methodists wasn't sealed. I'm getting to a question here. We'll get to it a little, a little later. Not sealed because it wasn't completed. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the completion of the works of God. He said, There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three are one. You can't have the Father without the Son, the Son without the Holy Ghost. They are one. He said, There are three that bear record in earth, the water, the blood, the Spirit, and they are not one, but agree in one. There you are. And one complete sealing. Justification under Luther. Water. Sanctification by the blood. Justification was Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with the God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Justification by faith. Sanctification through the blood. Hebrews 13.12 and 13. Jesus suffered without the gates that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Luke 24.49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you are due with power from on high. Acts 1 8, after this, the Holy Ghost has come up on you, then you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. Or a Holy Ghost baptism must last until Jesus returns again. A little while in the world sees me no more, yet you shall see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Amen. Doing the, the things that I do, you'll do also, through His Spirit, working through the church. He said, you'll be made fun of, so they called me the master of the house, Beelzebub, the chief of fortune tellers, said, how much more will they call them of his household now? He said, blessed are ye when man shall say all manner of things about you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That's scripture. There it is. So you see, you just got to have it, friends. Now you got to make your choice, your free moral agent. But that's the connection with the Protestant Church and the Catholic Church together. They are both, according to the Bible, who only holds to the church, not Jesus now, to the church. People in the church are holding on to Jesus Christ and praying for God to open up the way and make them give them right. That person's saved. I don't care what church he's in. That's right. But if he's just holding on to his denomination, he's taken the mark of apostasy, which has taken the place of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Contrary. And the Catholic and Protestant both alike. The Bible said she was a whore. They were her. Her daughters. Is that clear now? All right. So the Holy... Does the Holy Ghost still, given by the laying on of hands, the disciples did this, Peter, Paul, and so on. And is it still possible? 
Paul received it in this manner. Yes, dear brother, sister, whoever wrote the, the note, the Holy Ghost is absolutely to be received by laying on of hands. Now, many people call me as I've been marked as a Pentecostal, saying that I was Pentecostal. I never belonged to a Pentecostal organization. I'm absolutely free from all organizations. Amen. And by God's help, I aim to stay that way. Because I can stand back to preach and say, we're brothers. Come here. Let's come reason together. When I first started back there, by the grace of God, and you people here and my secretaries and I'm sitting here knowing, I could be in contact with 10 million people or more in the world today. What an organization could be started. See? That's right. Amen. But I don't want an organization. It's against the Bible. I'm trying my best to get the people to be saved that's in the organization. That's the thing. And what influence the Lord has given me with people, I'll certainly use it for His glory. Instead of placing it on some organization, I'll put it on Jesus Christ where it belongs. No organization can save you. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. But, now, in laying on of hands, now I'm a little different with not of you dear Pentecostal people. I don't fall out with me. But now when you come to a place to say we'll go tarry for the Holy Ghost, what a word's been used in Pentecost. And I'll say this, not hurting your feelings, the greatest support I have on the field is the Pentecostal people because they believe the message of divine healing and the power of God. Amen. The rest of them turn their nose up at it. But just individuals out of the church who's predestinated to eternal life, they'll come. That's all. But those who are not cannot come. And God said so. That they were predestinated to condemnation. He's not willing that they should perish. But being God, he seen they would condemn it. So that's, that's all he foresaw. It, and that's what the foreknowledge of God is. To see those things. And he predicted the church just where it would be standing right to this very day. And God knew it from the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, he knew the church would be just the way it is today. He knew before the foundation of the world I'd be standing in this pulpit tonight. Amen. He's God. He knows the end from the beginning. Now, now the Pentecostal people has taught, uh, I'll probably get plenty back on this, but I must be honest, if I've got to come to the Word, there is no such a thing as tarrying. You've been in error. Tarry doesn't mean pray. Tarry means to wait. After the ascension, after Jesus Christ, the crucifixion, the cleansing of the sanctuary, and after the day of the atonement, the resurrection of the day of the atonement, when he was killed, and then it's 40 days until the ascension, and then Pentecost, the word Pentecost means 50. It meant 50 days after the offering of the atonement. And then as the atonement was offered, Everything had to come out perfect, literally, geographically, everything, just as God said. And Pentecost is, was the jubilee time, when they brought the first fruits of the harvest in and had a jubilee. Now the first fruits of the, of the church, the Holy Ghost Church, the church that was the last least 2,000 years till Jesus comes, the first fruits come at Pentecost. It was 10 days before Pentecostal time. It was 40 days after cleansing, after the killing of the sacrifice until the ascension of Jesus Christ. He said, go up to Jerusalem and wait until you're endued with power from on high. Acts 1, Acts 2. 
And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one car in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then the religious world on the outside, the great Orthodox churches, come up and see those people staggering and acting like drunk people, and they come up and laughed at them and made fun of them and said, Look at this bunch of Galileans. They're all drunk. See the misunderstanding? And to my Catholic friend, the Blessed Virgin Mary was with them. And if God wouldn't let her come to heaven without receiving the Holy Ghost and being like that, do you think you'll get there anything less, sister? No. So let's get off our high horse. Let's get off. Don't pay attention to what the world's got to say. Look what God's got to say. This is the Word of God. We have to build it according to this blueprint. Because he said to Peter, up on this rock, I'll build my church in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Everything else will take place. It shows the gates of hell will be against it. But it will not prevail. And the people thinking they can stop it, you can stop the sun quicker. That's right. You can't stop it. God has ordained it to move on. Here when I first got converted, even my poor mother back there thought I'd gone crazy. My mother-in-law said he ought to be sent up to the insane institution. The preachers of the city said he'll burn down pretty soon. <laughs> I've been burning a long time. Sure still burning. Better all the time. Why? It can't burn down. It's God. Instead of burning down, it's spread around the world now. Just the same thing he said when I baptized. Right down here on the Ohio River, many of you stand there. Twenty-three years ago, right on the Ohio River, that light, angel, come right down where it was at, and said, as John the Baptist was sent for a forerunner of the first coming of Jesus Christ, your message will bring the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's done. It's, well, he hasn't come yet, but look what it's done. It's swept the world around. Amen. And today, now, just think of the, the effort that's went forth. There's been literally millions, even the Catholic Sunday visitors spoke of it, of how many millions have come in around, just of the effort. Others here that said, that's the truth. I'm ready to sell out right now to these things of the world and go preach the real gospel. And that's the reason they call us full gospel. They make fun of full gospel. Brother, I don't want a half of nothing. I've got to be the whole thing to me. If it's part of it's good, the rest of it's good. The full gospel. Now, notice. The Holy Spirit come back there, the Pentecostal people waited, and there suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rush of mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. Not one time did they ever have to wait after that. While Peter spake these words to the Gentiles, the Holy Ghost fell on them, even before they were baptized. Is that right? Well, Acts 10 49. But while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, and many come with Peter, was astonished because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then said Peter, Can a man forbid water? See that these must have received the Holy Ghost like we did in the beginning. And he tarried and bab- commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. No waiting, no tarrying. The apostolic way, God has no set rule. When a heart's hungry, he'll give you what you're hungering for. If you want the Holy Ghost, it can fall on you right now. 
Peter, when he went on to preach, Peter had the keys of the kingdom. I've got a question to get to that in a few minutes. He had the keys of the kingdom. He opened it up to the house of Cornelius. He opened it up down to the Samaritans. He opened it up over here. But remember that Philip had gone down there and preached to them and had baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter came down and laid hands on them. Yeah. And now he'd done something for that sorcerer down there. They had Simon the sorcerer. Said, I'll give you some money to give me that gift that whoever I lay my hands upon receives the Holy Ghost. Is that right? right. Something happened. Not some of these archbishops as their collar turned around the back, come around, lay hands on, said, I give you the apostolic blessing. Something happened when Peter laid his hands on them, and when they do, yes. Yeah. I've seen them just fall like flies, like that, as the Holy Spirit strikes them by laying on his hands. Yes, that is the, the apostolic doctrine of laying on hands. God bless you. It'd be a little different than that. Just write me a note tomorrow night. All right. If two-thirds of the people of the world heard, not heard the gospel yet, uh, the word of the gospel, how much did they uh, beg your pardon? If you wrote with ink and I've been perspiring here, just run into it. Let's see. If two-thirds of the people of the world has not yet heard the gospel, how can our Lord come now? Uh, since they haven't heard the gospel, two-thirds of them. Well, that's exactly right. I'll tell you what I think. You're not long ago when Dr. Reedhead, the president of the Sudan Mission, the greatest book, the greatest apostolic, not, I beg your pardon, the greatest fundamental mission in the world, the Sudan Mission, Dr. Reedhead, with so many degrees, so he didn't even know how many degrees was up on him, come to my house up there a little over a year and six months ago and stood in my house. Him and this Hyman Appleman, this Baptist minister, which has received the Holy Ghost now and preaching down in Mexico, and he come to the house. He said, Brother Branham, said, do you deal with the Pentecostals? And I said, yes. And he said, I'm Dr. Reedhead. I said, I'm glad to know you. Will you come in? He said, yes, sir. He said, I want to ask you something. He said, I understand that you was ordained in the Baptist church. I said, that's right. I said, I come out of it. I said, because I couldn't stand that. I, I believe to preach what the Bible says, not what the Baptist church says. And I have nothing against the Baptist church. They're just as good as any other church. And I said, I come out of it so I could be free. He said, well, of course, you know we're Baptist. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I want to ask you something. What about this baptism of the Holy Ghost? So I've been in and seen him kick over chairs and salt and holler and carry on. I said, I've seen all that too. But I said, brother, behind it all, there's a real genuine article of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And he said, brother Branham, can I receive it? He said, I've got so many honors. He said, I'm a doctor. I'm this. I've got my PhD. I've got my bachelor's degree. I've got every kind of degree and honorary degrees from all over the nations and things like that. Said, and where is Jesus Christ? Amen. I said, well, brother, he's right here in the room. Amen. He said, I shouldn't talk to a staunch Mohammed, just been educated in America. And I said, renounce your old dead prophet and receive a resurrected Lord Jesus. He said, kind sir, what can your resurrected Lord Jesus do for me any more than my Mohammed can do? Said, both of them wrote Bibles. We believe it. Said, both of them uh, died. 
and said, and both of them promised life after death to us, and we believe it. He said, oh, but you see, he said, we Christians have joy. He said, so do we. So I can produce just as much psychology as you can. And that's right. He said, well, look, our Mohammed, you claimed your Lord Jesus raised from the dead. And Dr. Reedhead said, well, he did. He said, prove it. He said, prove it. He said, you've had 2,000 years to prove it. And only about one third of the world has ever heard about it. Said, let our Mohammed raise from the dead and the whole world will know about in two days. He's right. He said, our Mohammed never promised us nothing but life after death. He said, your Lord Jesus promised you and you teachers that the very things that he did, you'd do also. Amen. And said, let's see you teachers produce that now. And said, we'll believe he raised from the dead. He said, Brother Branham, I scooted my foot in the dirt like that and changed the subject. Well, all those degrees. Why? Where's God in those degrees? God's not knowing about PhDs and DDs and LDs and so forth. God's knowing about simple faith by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The only way God in you brings you a son of God. Changes your nature in the very same thing. God, the Creator who made all things and spoke the world into existence by His Word, that same Spirit in you, you believe everything God says it is nothing impossible. Do yeah. you believe it? You won't stand back to one little tree and say, I don't can't accept that. I can't believe God to do this. I can't believe. You limit God by your unbelief. That's it. So Dr. Reed stood there and said, Brother Branham, could a man receive the really the Holy Ghost? I said, Yes, sir, Dr. Reed, you can. He said, if God knows my heart and I believe you knowing and under inspiration right now, I want you, you believe I'm telling the truth? I said, I know you are. He said, how must I receive it? I said, kneel. And he knelt there by the old coffee table. I just picked up from up here. The man sitting back there and fixed it just a while ago up here, sitting there, broke the glass on top of his kneel down. He said, God have mercy on my sinful soul. And I laid hands on him and the baptism of the Holy Ghost come up on him right there. Amen. That's right, and he's just set that Baptist church afire everywhere now. They're all of them around there. There it is. Yes, sir. The gospel cannot, Jesus cannot come until the, listen, we pass tracts all around over the world. You can't go in any little corner unless there's been tracts passed. Somebody coming through there a theology. You go over the seas today and call yourself a missionary and watch them laugh at you. Walk into India and say, I'm a missionary. Well, what are you going to teach us? They know more about the Bible and you know, some of their kids over there know more about it than some of their teachers here in America knows about it. After all, it's the Eastern book. And remember, they had the gospel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before America ever come into existence. St. Thomas, the great church that he preached in, is still standing today in India. They don't need any of your teaching. They know all about it. They said, what are you going to teach us? Well, we're American missionaries. Why do you go to teach us how to drink whiskey? That's what you all do over there in your churches. Smoke cigarettes? Go teach us how to divorce our wives and so forth? Said so if you're going to do that, we don't want it. Instead, if you're coming over here some new theology or something, you're going to try to teach us some of the words. We know more about it than you do. And that's right. He said, but if you're coming to demonstrate what the word says, we'll receive it. Amen. There you are. That's the thing you're hungering for. Mark my word. Write it in your pages of your Bible for thus saith the Lord. Amen. Remember, when we land in India, you're going to hear tens of thousands and thousands being saved. 
The Holy Spirit said that I've really heard my Bible. It's written tens of thousands of Bibles right here like the resurrection of the little boy. By vision that he said there are 300,000 of them in there. And you see if that isn't right. Amen. There's how the gospel is going to be preached just overnight. You'll just sweep like that from place to place. In Africa, when there was 30,000 on one altar call, received the God. I said, raise your hands and receive the Holy Ghost. I said, don't wait for some American missionary to come over teaching, learning languages, and the churches and mothers washing over the boards to send a missionary over there and ride around in a nice big car, <laughs> living on the fat of the land. Sure, pass out a few tracts and come back. They don't want that. It's proved it. I said right here at the Jewish hospital a few nights ago in a meeting with some ministers and doctors on the subject of divine healing. I said, you called me a holy roar. And you said I'd had a nightmare. When I told you the angel of the Lord, and I said, and our own church has sent thousands and spent millions of dollars to sending missionaries to Africa, and when I got there, they were packing little mud idols, trying to get help from the mud idols and call themselves Christians. And I said, and what you call fanaticism, one more soul to Christ in five minutes' time, and our millions of dollars and thousands of missionaries have done in the last 150 years. Amen. They shut up. That was it. <laughs> there it lay. I said to you, that man, I said, don't, don't you try to get educated. Just take this gospel and go on out there in the in a native land where a white man can't even go Amen. for the diseases. And I've got records right the Durban paper that said even if one old man couldn't even know which is right and left hand, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptized on average of a thousand a week. That's how the gospel's going just a little bit. It only needs about six months to cover the world. All right. Will you explain about Christians? Um, Christian science. All right. Uh, here's I won't speak about your religion, my brother, sister, whoever put the question. Christian science is psychology, and divine healing is the power of God. Christian science has mind over matter. Christian science denies the blood of Jesus Christ. Christian science, oh, I've got Bethany's books up there and read them all. That's right. Christian science denies the deity of Jesus Christ and puts him a prophet. Jesus Christ was not a man, he was God. He was divine. And they think it's mind over matter. If I've got a cramp in my arm or in my stomach or in a pain in my head, I've got sense enough to know it's hurting. And if they think what I think is hurting, but I know that God's power can take it away. Not my, me thinking about it, see. So Christian science, I'd say this along with the other was asked me, is one of the modern day isms and a deep, dark era. That's right. Not hurting your feelings, friend, ever who wrote it. But I must be sincere because you who wrote it and I together will stand one day in the presence of Jesus Christ to give an account. And I'll have to answer for what I say. Now, I wouldn't answer unless I knew. All right. Now, when we are, when we live far from here to attend, we live too far from here to attend the tabernacle, where do you recommend we attend? Uh, assembly ourselves together, um, seeing that the churches are after the mother church are Catholicism. 
my dear brother or sister, whoever wrote it, I wouldn't tell you what church to attend. But what I would do this, my brother and sister, I, if you haven't got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, see, well, you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you go to some congregation where there's other people who's got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go congregate yourself with them kind of people. I've seen a man here not long ago that was born ten years since he, or not born, I beg your pardon, it's ten years since he had seen any sight. He belonged to a great church, and he lived at Kent, Missouri, and he had, is a, was a shoe cobbler years ago and went blind. And the man come on the platform, and the Holy Spirit told him who he was and what was wrong with him, told him how long he'd been blind, and told him of some little dirty deed that he had done. He said, if God will let me live to get there, I'll make that right. And when he said that, his eyes come open, and this very same Bible, he read chapter after chapter out of it. He returned to his church and was giving praise, and the pastor told him it would have happened anyhow. Why, you just merely got worked up. There was nothing to it. There's nothing to that stuff. It's of the devil. I challenge anyone to show me one scripture where the devil can heal. If you show me where the devil can heal, I'll prove the devil's your father. That's right. If you'll do that. It's not in the words of God. It cannot be proven. And you might, you can want to try it, you're welcome. But that's been met by bishops and everything else, brother. So don't say that. Look, and that same man got to in his heart believing it. And three months later, he was in my services just as blind as he was in the first place. There you are. So keep out of them isms. Congregate yourself with somebody who believes. Associate yourselves. The Bible said, yoke yourself out up among unbelievers. Be separated, saith God. Come out. The Bible said, come out from among them and be touching out the unclean things, and I will receive you. I'm the Lord who stands in the midst of the church. That's right. Come out. Don't associate with such. But get yourself among some church, some good church, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Samuelite, whoever it may be, it don't make it. Where real, true believers are in there. They don't care what the church creed says. They go there to meet with their brothers and sisters and worship God together. All right. Uh, last night you spoke of the... Um, Great multitude, but no man could number from every tribe, nation, that are, are mentioned in the seventh chapter of Revelation. Did I understand you correctly to say that they are the bride of Christ? Yes, you understood me. They are the bride. Now, if you'll notice, just as after Revelation 7, he saw the 144,000. Now, I'm not accusing you of this, my brother. But um, the hundred, usually uh, a Jehovah Witness is the one that believes that 144,000 to be the bride. And that's an error. John knowed every one of them and called them by name. They were every one Jews. He said 12,000 of Gad, 12,000 of Zebulun, 12,000 of Benjamin, 12,000 of Jews. Is that right? Yes. And he's 12 tribes of Israel, and 12 times 12 is 144,000. Is that right? Yes. He said that all the children of Israel, John recognized them. Then he looked this way and he said, Why, here stood a great multitude that no man could number, of all kindred tongues and nations, with white robes in their hands and palms 
and waving and shouting and singing hosannas and to the king. He said, who are they? He said, that's the ones that come out of great tribulation and wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They're before God and they'll serve the Lamb in his temple with him. Day and night, they'll not leave him. There's the bride, see, the wife, a Gentile bride. Remember, the bride is a Gentile. He said, they'll come and take a people out of the Gentiles for his what sake? Namesake. Uh, there's many young lady in the world, but I'll take him one woman. That was Mita Broy, and she's Miss William Branham now. She's got seen a Broy no more. She's a Branham now. See? Amen. That's how it is. You take on Jesus Christ and become a bride, members of the bride. What are the Latin words over the Vatican City? We want to know how they add up to 666 and what they mean. Well, it isn't over the Latin, the Latin words isn't over the Vatican City, it's over the throne of the Pope, where he sits on his throne. It's wrote up there by Carius the Philadelphia. If you wish to in the morning, I'll bring it, wrote out, and everything you put on a piece of paper, and if you want it, well, I'll bring it to you in the morning. Where you can spell it out in Roman letters, by Carius the Philadelphia, the word means instead of the Son of God, he is the successor to the Son of God. The Catholic Church believes that Peter was the first Pope. He was the successor of Jesus Christ, which that's an error. All right, then they claim that every pope following him is a successor. And the pope now, it is now, is a successor of Jesus Christ. And there is wrote up over there a successor of Jesus Christ. Vicarius Aphilia Adelia wrote on there. Take the Roman letters and just write it. X for 10 and D for 5 and so forth like that. And you spell Vicarius Aphilia and draw a line and you got 666. Write it out and find out. Now I got the facts of our faith that's called the Catholic Church called my people were Irish Catholics. So I know what I'm speaking of. See? And it absolutely is the truth. That's right. That there in the Bible said that he'll be sitting in a church or a place, a church that sits on seven hills in Rome. And his power will go to all the world and he's called the Antichrist. And out of that church come forth little churches that was born there to that and said she was a whore and they were hearts that followed her. That's right. There you are, because they organized in the same thing and had their creeds and doctrines just a little less, not as powerful as she is, but they still have power. And beast means power. Right. There you are. So they got, Catholics got the biggest power. The Methodists and then the Presbyterians and then the Lutherans and then the Baptists and then the so forth and all down and a little organized power. My church, my church, my church, my church. But the true believer says nothing to that. It's my Christ, my Christ, my Christ. That's the difference. How do you know the Holy Ghost bears witness with signs and wonders? Amen. Here's a little, kind of little throwback. I hate to read this, but somebody put it up here. You ask the reason why this tabernacle didn't go on. The reason why is grounds that some of the deacons denied the gift of tongues and healing. We all know that to be true. Let me know who he is while I'm here on this, on this campaign. And that will be quickly removed. 
please explain if a Christian should observe feet washing and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ's name instead of the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Please. All right? I had about three of those in here. It asked that same thing of feet washing. Well, I might as well start on that. All right, now, you made different. That's all right. Let me just read it to you just a moment. Or if you want to read it, get St. John, the 13th chapter, just a moment. I want to ask you something here. And listen to what Jesus Christ said himself, and then I'll take you on over in the Testament and show you it's still observed on. Begin second verse. Now, supper being ended, the devil hath put in the heart of Judas his character, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, he came from God and went to God. He came in, out of the Spirit, into the flesh, and returned back into Spirit. See? And he rises from the supper, lays aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, as that he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, does thou wash my feet? Jesus said unto him, What I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said unto him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Oh, could you imagine that? All right. Simon said to him, Not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed saves thee to wash his feet. You are clean every whit, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, wherefore he said, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had, had taken his garments and had sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I've done unto you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do to one another as I have done unto you. Happy are ye if you know these things and do them. Over in Second Timothy, Paul said, writing to the church, Don't let a widow be brought into the church until she has washed the saints' feet. Amen. Right? A feet washing was observed all through the Bible age, and by God's help, if I keep my right mind and God helps me, I'll observe it till I die. Amen. That's right. Amen. It is exactly a commission of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, here's going to be a singing question. Why? Would a person be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ instead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I've got two or three. Here's one right here. Brother Bill, what is the false baptism that you were speaking of last night? If it is water or spirit, if it is water, and you said Jesus Christ's name, why did Matthew 28:19 it say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Please explain. Now, these are kind of stinging. But I believe I've got another one here somewhere. The same thing, oh, it's about three places. I'll try to get to it, but see if, will, will you bear with me for a few minutes? Yeah. All right. Now let's us start now and answer these questions. Maybe we can simmer through them and get them, maybe the rest of them tomorrow, if nothing else at Sunday school or sometime. But these people perhaps are asking this, and tomorrow is baptism. Now, whichever way you're baptized, that doesn't matter to me, but I want to tell you the apostolic doctrine of the Bible. See. Now, we found out last night that when the Catholic Church was organized, that it come out with false communion, 
saying that when you receive the Holy Eucharist, meaning the Holy Communion there, you receive the Holy Ghost. That is not the Holy Ghost, that's a wafer. The Protestant Church shakes hands, puts their names on the book. That's what they call receiving it. Now, but the real way they received it was the baptism of the Spirit. And now, the Catholic Church brought out catechism. Luther had it. The Methodist Church has it. Episcopalians have it. Many others have it. Catechism. Many of the traditions of the Catholic Church still hangs on to the Protestant Church, which forms her right in with it according to the Bible. But there never was a person ever in all the pages of the Bible ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There never was a person baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost until the early Catholic Church. It's not in the Bible. Nowhere. If anybody can find a piece in there and tell me and show me where one person was baptized using the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, please show me. Where I went through and through and through and through and through it for 20 some odd years now. And it's an error. It's a Catholic creed and not a Bible command. Now, we'll find out why. We're going to your question, dear brother. Uh, uh, St. John, uh, I mean, uh, Matthew 28, 19. All right, let's go back over. You turn with your Bible with me so you can read with me. This is a place where it spoke of one place in the Bible. Of, didn't Jesus say in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established? I can take you in the Bible where it said Judas is carrot, went and hung himself, and you go do likewise. I can take you where Jesus said, when the Son of Man, which himself was, which now is in heaven, shall come again, and standing right here on earth, and said, the Son of Man, which now is in heaven, and standing right here on earth. You have to know God to know his word. You can't know what you say contradicts itself. It's confusing because God said he wrote it that way to hide it from these scholars and so forth. And let people get humble at the altar and God will reveal it to you. Now, here's the scripture, Matthew 28, 19. Only place in the Bible that ever mentioned these titles. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, the way you're baptized is in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. That's not even in the Scripture. But it is here. Teach all nations, baptize them in the name. Now look at your Bible and see if that says in the names or in the name. Now you say, now, you're not going to go into that meeting. A fellow said there's a contradiction in the Bible. Said, I wish you'd explain it to me. Why did Jesus tell the people to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Peter turned around and baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ in Acts 2.38? Said, if that don't contradict itself, I don't see a contradiction. I said, just because you haven't sought God right. You say, Brother Bram, does it make any difference if I'm baptized this way or that way? It certainly does. And I'll prove it by the Bible. What if, what if Moses, God told Moses to come up the bush, said, Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. He said, now, Lord, I'm reverent man. My shoes are a little hard to take off, so I'll just take off my hat. He never said hat, he said shoes. What the Bible says is truth. Now, if here, this was ten days, this was the ascension. And when Jesus was taken up, he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And ten days later, they went up to Jerusalem and waited in the upper room until the Holy Ghost comes. And then when they begin to preach and go on, they said, what can we do to be saved? Peter said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then he went to the house of Cornelius. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He went over and found some people already baptized. He said, you got to be baptized over again in the name of Jesus Christ. And went out to Samaria and said, baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. And not one time was them titles ever called over a person. Never. Now, there's a contradiction then you say, no, it's not. Just ask the Holy Spirit, and I'll watch you reveal it to you. Open your heart. Now, don't hold prejudice. If you do, God can't talk to you. But if you don't hold prejudice, say, I'm looking for a really truth, Brother Branham. If Jesus told the disciples to go do this, and they went and done something over here different, and yet God blessed it. And all through the Bible. Now, did they do what Jesus told them not to do? If they did, they disobeyed. And God will never honor disobedience. If he would, he would have honored even stopped the whole thing in the beginning. When God says anything, he's got to keep his word. He's sovereign. So then either Peter made a mistake or said, that's what the apostles said. One fellow said, that's what the apostles said. I'm going to do what Jesus said. Well, if the apostles did what Jesus told them not to do, then what? And if the apostles which wrote this Bible, Paul wrote all these, and Paul was the one who made them be rebaptized again, and if Paul wrote this biggest part of this New Testament, then what kind of Bible have you got written that you're trying to read? Amen. Let's just right. make it just this, ask it real sensible and see what the Word says. Now, this is for uh, uh, education, for you to know the Word of God. Now, if... Peter baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after Jesus telling to baptize in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He done contrary to what Jesus said. Is that true? Now, there's got to be something there. Now, let's just find out and ask the Holy Ghost to show us. Now, the first place, now let's take, let's take the first scripture, Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Look down on your Bible and see if that said in the names of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Does it? No, sir. Did it say in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost? It said in the name. Is that right? Well, the name was similar. Is that right? Well, which name did he want to baptize? The name of the Father or the name of the Son or the name of the Holy Ghost? He said in the name. Well, frankly, there is neither one of them a name. How many fathers is in here? Let's see your name, your hand. All right. Which one of his name Father? Father's not a name. Father's a title. How many sons are in here? Sure. Every man, every male. A son. Well, which one of his name son? It's not a name. It's a title. Is that right? It's not a name, it's a title. Well, which one of his name human? How many humans is Jared? All of you. Well, which one of his name human? There is no such a thing. That's what you are. The Holy Ghost is not a name. That's what it is. I'm a human. So neither Father, Son, nor Holy Ghost is name. They're just three titles that goes to one name. Now, listen closely. What? Look here. I'll take this on just like a baby basis. As you said, um, well, like you was reading a, a storybook. 
and said, John and Mary live happy ever after. And you wonder then, who is John and Mary? Well, the only way you'll ever know who John and Mary is is go back and read the beginning of the story and go through it. Is that right? Well, if Jesus said here, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Father's no name, and Son's no name, and Holy Ghost is no name, what? Who is this fellow? We want to know who he is. Now, the best thing you do, that's the last chapter of Matthew, the last verse. Let's turn back to the first chapter of Matthew and the first verses and start off. Find out who this Father, Son, Holy Ghost is. Now, I just want to do this for the children there, so they'll get it also. First thing is to straighten out your own your Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, in the first place, not one place in the Bible was Trinity ever mentioned. You find it and show it to me. There's no such a thing. The Catholic era. And you Protestants bow to it. Notice. Now what is this? I said this is who? Father. This is who? Son. And this is who? Now the Father is the Father of who? The Son. Is that right? Now this is Jesus' Father. Don't get them mixed up now. This here is the Father. This is the Son. And this is the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Now the people put it three different people, three different gods, three different personalities. No wonder the Jew can't understand it. All right. Matthew, the first chapter, starts off the genealogies of Jesus Christ. Abraham got Isaac, Isaac got Jacob, so on down like that, till it comes down to the 18th verse. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, here it is, the 18th verse. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, follow me with your Bible, the birth of this man, Jesus Christ, was on this wise. When his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, she was found with the child of God the Father. Did I read that right? What does it say? Found with the child of who? I thought somebody said this man was his father. The Bible said this man was his father. She was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Now what kind of a child you got? Uh, Jesus plainly said God was his father. Is that right? God is his father. Well, what's the Holy Ghost got to do with it then? If the Bible said the Holy Ghost was his father, and Jesus said God was his father, and you said God was his father, and now the Bible says, oh, here, if there's three, two different people, God had nothing to do with it. The Holy Ghost is his father. Now, let's read a little farther. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, was not willingly to make her a public example, but was minded to put her away privately. But behold, while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not take unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Not God the Father, God the Holy Ghost. See where your trifiest idea would go to? It would put Jesus a legitimate child. Certainly, that's an error. No scripture for that. Now, you'll have to admit that God the Father, God the Holy Ghost is the same person or Jesus had two different daddies. Is that right? Of course it's right. The Bible said the Holy Ghost was his father. And the Bible said God was his father. Now, which is his father? The Holy Ghost and God is the same spirit. It's the same thing. All this is done that it might be fulfilled, which spoken by the prophet, by the Lord, saying, 
a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child, and they, this one, and they shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from his sins. And this was all done that it might be fulfilled. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is by interpretation, God with us. Uh, who is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Amen. Did Peter do wrong? He done what Jesus told him. That's three titles. I'm a minister. And I'm a father. And I'm a reverend, they call it a title. But none of that's my name. My name's William Branham. He was the Father. He was Son. He was Holy Ghost. You try to make three gods, friend, it's wrong, it's error. There's three dispensations that the tribes got mixed up with. God the Father was the Spirit that hung over the children of Israel in the pillar of fire. Is that right? God was there. Then God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Is that right? In His Son. Now He's condescending down to He's coming to the heart of man by the Holy Spirit. God is like a three-foot rule, or a three-foot rule, yes. The first twelve inches was God the Father. The second twelve inches, God the Son, the same God. Third twelve inches is God the Holy Ghost, the same God. Jesus said, you say, we got the Holy Ghost in us. That's right. But Jesus said, a little while the world sees me no more, yet you'll see me, for I, I is the personal pronoun. I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Where's the Holy Ghost at then? I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll come again and be with you. Amen. That's it. You see, you misunderstand it, friends. It's one God and three dispensations. The dispensation of the fatherhood, sonship, and Holy Spirit is the same God. And when he said, go baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why he baptized in Jesus' name. Now look, let's get to baptism here. The first time baptism was ever mentioned in the New Testament was John the Baptist. Is that right? Yes. I'll place this up here and see you have to get your Godhead straightened out before you get baptism straightened out. That's John the Baptist. First baptism. Second time baptism spoke of was Acts 2.38, where they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ at the new church. The second place was Cornelius' house. Or not, I beg your pardon, Samaritans. Acts 7, 48 and 49. And Acts 10, 49 was where he baptized him at the house of uh, Cornelius. And the next time baptism was spoke of, and calling any names or titles, was over in Acts 19, 5. Now, when they were baptized at the day of Pentecost, they were baptized, Acts 2, 38, in the name of Jesus Christ. Is that right? Write it down, look it up. The next, Philip went out two days later and began to preach to the Samaritans and preach to them and heal the sick and had a great meeting down there and baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter went out and laid hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. Peter went up on the housetop a few days later, was hungry. He saw a vision. God sent him over to the house of Cornelius. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they began speaking in tongues and carrying on like they did in the first place. Peter said they haven't even been baptized yet. So he commanded them everyone to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Every person in the Bible was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul, I mean John's disciples, 
wasn't baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized unto repentance. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians. I mean, let's turn over to Acts, the 19th chapter, just a moment, and read this just a minute. So you see, friends, it is not, it's not, they're not, the scripture doesn't contradict itself. Look here. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, he finds certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, We don't know there would be any Holy Ghost. He said, Then what was you baptized? Oh, he said, We've been baptized. Said, How? Said unto John. John. He said, John only baptized unto repentance, saying, You should believe on him that's come that is on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost come on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The great Saint Paul, listen, what if you'd been baptized by John the Baptist? The same man that baptized Jesus Christ. A holy man where Jesus said, there never was a man born of woman as great as John the Baptist. He's the chief of all the prophets. He led Jesus out of the water and baptized him right in Jordan. Brother, if I was baptized to him, I'd feel pretty good about it. Is that right? But Paul turns around and says, that won't work now. Because you've got to be rebaptized again. Oh, we've been immersed, oh, Paul. We was immersed by John right out of the river Jordan. He said, that won't work now. You've got to be baptized again. How? So John baptized unto repentance. This is for remission of sins. And no other name under heaven is given among men. Only the name of Jesus Christ. And they had to be rebaptized again in the name of Jesus Christ. And not one place in the Bible or all the history for the first 600 years after the death of the last apostles did they ever baptize any other ways but in the name of Jesus Christ. And go ask any Catholic priest that you want to. Ask them who changed that. And see what they say. Get the catechism and read it. Say, sure, some of the Protestants will be saved because they bow to our baptism. They changed it. They said they have the power and authority to do it. And you believe it. That's what they say. That's what they claim. That's what the Protestant church bows to. But scripturally, it's absolutely not one ounce of scripture about it. They had to be baptized over in the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen, quickly now, so we get right. I don't want to hold you too long on these questions. Look. In the days when Jesus come down off the Mount Transfiguration with his disciples, he says, Who does man say that I am? And what did he say? Some says, Thou art John the Baptist. Some say, You're alive. Some say, You're the prophet. He said, But who do you say I am? And Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. said, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You never learned this in some church. You never learned this in some seminary. But my Father has revealed this to you. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now the Catholic Church says it was Peter. They had a rock there, and it still lays under Vatican City, and that was in Jerusalem, or in the Palestine. And it said that that was the rock. The Protestant church says it was Peter who they built the church up on. That's so it backslid a few days later. That wasn't it. The church was built up on the divine revelation of God. 
flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you, and upon this rock, spiritual revelation of the Word of God, Amen. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against me. Amen. That's where I say Luther, Methodist, and whatever they are, whatever Pentecostals and whatever they are doesn't make a bit of difference. When the church of God moves on under the power of the inspiration, she'll move right on and on and on and on. Amen. And no denomination stop it. Nothing in the world stop it. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Spiritual reveal truth. Now what? Now the next he says, And thy son, and I give unto thee, because he has a spiritual reveal truth. That's the reason he knows the difference between Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a spiritual revelation. That's what you're understanding tonight, where the Holy Spirit's opening up to us. He said, Thou art Simon, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And whatever you bind on this earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on this earth, I'll loose it in heaven. Did he say it? St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. And I'll give you the keys to what? The kingdom of heaven. Amen. What is the kingdom of heaven? The Holy Spirit. Amen. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is within you. I mean the kingdom of God, excuse me. kingdom is within you. So he said, some thing you'll not see death until they see the kingdom of God coming in power. Just a few days later, the Pentecost. See? Some stand here, right? That same thing he was saying. Some of you stand here, you've been transfigured, said, won't see death until you see the kingdom of God coming to power. The Bible says the kingdom's within you. When Jesus rose from the dead, remember, he had on his side the keys of death and hell. Not the keys of the kingdom. That was given to the church. Now, Peter had the keys. Do you believe Jesus to keep his word? If he doesn't, brother, he wasn't God, that's all. Now, he said, Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. In other words, to the Holy Spirit. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Now look what an error they make. Go out and forgive sins and so forth like that. What an error. Let's see. They put the keys on him. Now, he set his face right straight to Pentecost, right straight to Jerusalem. He was crucified, died, rose the third day. Was on earth forty days among men, ascended up into heaven, told him to wait till they seen the kingdom of God come upon them. At this time, the Father will restore the kingdom in a spiritual form to them. They went up to the city of Jerusalem and waited there for ten days and nights, and all of a sudden, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, come with power upon them. Is that right? Now what? Peter, uneducated, couldn't even sign his own name. A pope. Yeah, a pope. Still up on a little soapbox or something and begin to preach. He said, You men of Judea and you dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you in the heart of my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, see it's the third hour of the day, but this is that which is spoken of the prophet Joel. It'll come to pass in the last day, says God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy on my hands, made the maid servant. Well, I'll pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and earth, fill all fire, pillars of fire, vapors of smoke. On he went speaking of David and so forth. And when these critics stood there, said to them, Man and brothers, what can we do to be saved? Oh, be careful, Peter. You got the keys hanging on now. Is that right? The first gospel message, Jesus a few days before that, before he was crucified, said, Peter, I'll give you the keys. 
Whatever you bind, I'll bind it. Whatever you loose, I'll loose it. Now, whatever you do, I'll recognize in heaven. If he's a man of his word, he'll keep his word. And here he is standing here, the Holy Ghost is fell for his first time. And Peter's asked, what can we do to be saved? Watch out. You're sticking the key into the kingdom for the first time. Jesus told you a few days ago, ten days ago, to go baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What are you going to do? But he gave you the keys because you had a spiritual revelation. Well, my church will be built, and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Amen. Take your creeds and dogmas and whatever you wish you, but it'll fail miserably. It has done. But the power of the living God shall move on and on in my eternity. Like a streak of radium, she moves on. Notice, without end. Peter, you got the keys. Whatever you do here, God's got to recognize in heaven. Is that right? Amen. What do you say, Peter? What can we do to be saved? Peter said, Don't go say Hail Mary. There's no such a thing. Do an Ovenia. Don't come shake hands and put your name on the church book and have a sprinkle of the water on you. No such a thing. That's Catholic dogma that Protestant church are bowing to. He didn't say, Already go now. Jesus told me a few days ago for already go be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Not a man that had spiritual revelation wouldn't say that. He said, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to them as far off, and as even as many as the Lord our God shall ever call. Amen. That's it. Then the keys stuck in and it locked, it locked in heaven. That's the reason Paul said to John's disciples, You've got to be baptized over again in the name of Jesus Christ to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You didn't know it before, you know it now. <laughs> it's all right. That's up to you. That's true, but a trifious, trying baptism was never recognized in the church. The New Testament, only in the Catholic Church. And the Protestant Church bows to it. What? Many people would fall out with you for that. But brother, you've got to make your choice. Now, you say, Brother Ben, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't doubt your word. I have no reason at all to doubt your word. I believe it. I believe God gave them the Holy Ghost up there before they were baptized at all. But when Peter told them what to do, they went and done it. <laughs> That's right. Now, you know what to do. <laughs> That's right. And if you refuse to walk in light when light's brought forth, you turn to darkness. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. All right. Excuse me. Well, don't excuse me for hollering so bit to God's word. No, for I holler amen again. That's right. Yes, sir. Why well, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, Brother Brandon? Why do you do that instead of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Because the Bible teaches that. That's fair. Right. Why do you wash feet, Brother Brandon? Because the Bible teaches that. I believe in the full gospel. All right. Now. What is the false baptism that you spoke? Well, that's it. That's exactly it. Nowhere, read back in the Testament and find where one person, now to you dear people, I'm not hurting your feelings. I don't want to. I ask you to be humble and not look at this thing in the face and see what it looks like. Look at it in the face of the Bible, not in your church or some foolish, silly thing somebody's got puffed up in their head, but look at God's Word. Amen. Sure. Do you think that God Almighty would give me the ministry he's got around like this with 
supernatural signs and things which has never been seen since the New Testament and let me walk in the air like that? Certainly not. Brother, when I come back from overseas, I'm putting the biggest part of my time not on divine healings and miracles, but preaching the Word of God. That's exactly right. Truly. Now, let's see. Does this church teach that you have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost? No, sir. No, we don't. Speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Ghost. See, not the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. This tree bears nine manners of fruit. Is that right? Amen. If you look on an apple tree, it's got apples, you say it's an apple tree. Look on a tree, it's got pears, you say it's a pear tree. No matter if it's got sycamore bark on it, got pears on it, the life of it is what? The life of it is pear tree life. Is that right? Amen. Now, this tree of God bears nine spiritual fruits. Is that right? Amen. All right. There's all different. Said one is given teach knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Nine different spiritual gifts grow on this tree of God. Is that right? When I just speak in tongues, isn't the only one. These others in there too. Now you can speak with tongues and still not have the Holy Ghost. I just remember that. I've been right. I've seen witches and wizards come up speaking in tongues. And they ain't got the Holy Ghost. You know, I see them come up shouting and jumping, and they ain't got the Holy Ghost. I stood in the corn danger not long ago, out in a little piece from Douglas, Arizona, up there. Seen that corn danger was had up there, and that wizard come out there and carried on terribly. And everything carried on and throw dirt over in there. That didn't mean he was saved. The man was a, a witch doctor. I stood in, in Africa and seen witch doctors come up and challenge me like that with their enchantments and even drunk blood out of a human skull. That's right. You better know what you're talking about when you face that. I've seen the power of Almighty God bind that man till he couldn't move. So then his eyes glassy like that, and they pack him away. Amen. Yes, sir. Brother, God is real. Amen. Right. But God is a spirit, not confined only to speaking in tongues or this, that, or the other. I say that any man, that if that's the trouble of the church here. See, you, Pentecost went wild on that one thing. They got out the people instead of of laying hands on and them receiving the Holy Ghost, they got them out the altar and began to beat him on the back holler, say it, say it, say it, and say a word over and over until they got confusion and not tongues. If a genuine Holy Ghost person is born to the Spirit of God, he'll live a godly life. Some of them men was living horrible lives, and you know that, and the fruits proved that there wasn't. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. And the fruit of the Spirit is not speaking in tongues, that's the gift of the Spirit. Peter never said, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. He said, You shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost when they heard these tongues and people speaking. Amen. It's one of the Holy Ghost gifts that they receive. Amen. All right. Got to hurry. I have two boys, one, two, and one, five, and they have been sprinkled. Should they be baptized by mercy? Well, now, sister or brother, whoever you are, that's up to you. I've got a little girl. My little boy, Billy Paul, was 16 years old, and when I baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus right here. My little girl's eight years old. She come to me and got up on my lap, and she said, Daddy, I want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I want to be uh, baptized. And I baptized a little girl at eight. When the family of kiddies wants to be baptized, baptize them. If they're not, why, if they're just go ahead, that's up to you, whatever the Lord says. Will only those who have the baptism of the Holy Ghost be in the rapture of the church, or will all believers be indicated? We, ain't, we haven't got time to justify that. 
But, brother, only the Holy Ghost bride will be in the rapture. See? The Bible sticketh. The others won't be lost. Look. Who's going to judge the earth? Saints. Daniel said, I saw him come to the ancient of time. And, and uh, he came with ten thousand times ten thousands of his saints. Is that right? Yeah. The rapture. The church had gone on. Then they come down and the judgment was set and the books were opened. Is that right? Yeah. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. The sanctified believer that hadn't received the Holy Ghost. Didn't Jesus teach that ten virgins went out to meet the bridegroom? And five of them, all of them were virgins, pure, holy. And they, these went to sleep and didn't get the Holy Ghost. And these got the Holy Ghost, had all in their ranks. And when the bridegroom come, the boys come shouting. They said, oh, let us go and give us some of your orders. They said, go to them and buy us, pray us. Get it now. But they couldn't. And while it was gone, the, the virgins went into the wedding supper. And they were cast in outer darkness where they were weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Didn't Revelations last night in the 12th chapter the night before last teach that the red dragon spurred water out of his mouth to make war with the remnant of the woman's seed that had faith in God and kept the commandments of Jesus Christ? To you women, you lay down a pattern. It's a nice piece of goods, the same goods in it. But you take like this and lay your pattern just the way that you're going to cut it. And then you cut it. That's up to you. But you take the goods that you cut to make your garment out of, and the rest of it is used. It's just as good a goods as the rest of it. But by election, you have chose that. Is that right? Amen. The rest of it is just as holy and just as good and just as expensive as the rest of it. But that was your choice. And God has promised that we are going in the rapture by election. Amen. And the Bible said, and the rest of the dead live not for 1,000 years. Is that right? Amen. So only, you not be lost, but the Holy Ghost-filled bride will go in the rapture. The rest right. of them will come through judgment while they didn't. If you are supposed to be baptized in Jesus' name, why did Jesus say in Matthew 28, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost? That's just what I just got through explaining that one. All right. Are you getting tired? I know you are. But... Doesn't God have respect for the baptism of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Isn't there people being baptized in the name, and the, these names have received the Holy Spirit? Did Jesus come to glorify the Father? Uh, wouldn't this baptism be recognized? Yes. Jesus came to glorify the Father. Look, in St. John. The 14th chapter, I'm just about, I got, if you just wait just about three more, we'll have it over, I believe. Look, then we get some new ones tomorrow. And then, because um, I'll really get some back from tonight, I believe. Notice, uh, this is church, all this, we're going on. Look, Jesus come to manifest the Father. Yes. Look, in the beginning, God made man in his own image. Is that right? Yes. Or what is God? A spirit. St. John, the fourth chapter, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Is that right? If God made man in his own image, what kind of a man did he make then? A spirit man. In Genesis 2, there was no man to fill the soil, and God made man out of the dust of the earth. Not in his image, but in the image of animal life. And he put the spirit of man in this animal man here, and he become a living soul. 
Now, that's the difference between the man and the animal. The animal don't build automobiles, and he doesn't do things like to help his living and so forth like that. He's an animal, dumb brute. He hasn't got a soul. He can't read and write. He can't talk, speak. He's a dumb brute. But a man is in flesh like a brute, but he's got a soul of God in him that makes him immortal. Man. And he can invent, look what he can do. He's only, almost only equal with God because he's the son of God, even in his fallen estate. He's wonderful. Look at him. See, that's it. Then, when man fell in flesh, and if God sent another individual besides himself down, he was unjust. The only way God could justly do it was take the man's place himself. What if I made Brother Neville die for this woman here? What if I made this woman die for this woman here? It would have been that I had to rule over you. I could not be just and do that. If I pronounce death and want you to live, I've got to take your place to justify you. And then God, who was in the image of spirit, without image, rather, the Bible said God's without form. All right. Then God had to take on form, and he overshadowed a virgin and created in her a blood cell without sexual anything to do with it and created a blood cell that developed into the Son of God, and God came down and dwelt in His Son, Christ Jesus, making Him God on earth. Amen. When St. John Thomas said, Lord, show us the Father, and it's the Father, he said, I've been so long with you, you don't know me? Amen. He said, why sayest thou, show us the Father? Why, well, said, when you see me, you see the Father. I am a Father of one, my Father dwells in me. Amen. A lady here not long ago, I was talking, I had jumped up and said, Oh, Brother Branham, said, I, I know what you mean. They're one, sure they're one. Said, you and your wife are one, too. That's the kind of one they are. I said, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I said, they're not. I said, do you see me? Said, sure. I said, you see my wife? Said, no. I said, they're, then there's a different kind of one than what me and my wife are. <laughs> I said, that's kind. Jesus said, you can't see me without seeing the Father. Certainly not. It's the second part of the three-foot rule. The same rule. <laughs> it's God. Jesus Christ was either God or the greatest deceiver the world ever had. Amen. Listen, a woman said to me not long ago, said, I'll prove you a Christian science woman. Now, Christian science friend, be reverent. It said, I'll prove to you that he wasn't nothing but a man. Said, you put too much uh, uh, bragging on Jesus. I said, if I brag day and night, I could not give him what coming to him. I said, no wonder. Well, Isaiah tried to name, he said, he's wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. All of that, he's alpha, omega, the beginning and the ending, the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star, yeah. father, son, holy ghost. In him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily, said the Bible. Amen. The fullness of God was in him. She said, I'll tell you, when he went down to pray for Lazarus, to raise Lazarus up, said, I'll prove to you he was just a man. I said, let's see you do it. Said the Bible said he wept. And that proves that he was a man. He could weep. I said, sure, that was the son that was weeping. He was a God-man. He was a child being. Just like I am. You are. We're soul, body, and spirit. He was Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In the deity of God. That's who he was. He was deity himself. How could he do anything there when his own children crying for his blood? If it had been something else, that was his own children crying for his blood. No wonder he wept for him. 
How will a man and his own kids crying for his blood? How could he feel? Either condemn them to hell forever or give his life. He was God giving his life for his children. Deity dwelt in him. That's who he was. The woman said, Look, he said, Lady Lamb, I'll prove you. When he worked to prove he was a man, I said, Lady, he was a man when he was a prey, when he was weeping. That's right. He was a man when he was weeping. But when he straightened his little frail body up and said to a man who had been dead four days, Lazarus, come forth! And a man had been dead four days and rotten in the skin worms, causing corruption to its master and the soul to its creator. And a man had been dead four days, till he seemed to live again. That was more than a man. He was a man when he came off the mountain that night, hungry, looking around over a tree for something to eat. He was a man when he was looking out for something to eat on that fig tree. But when he took five biscuits and two pieces of fish and fed five thousand, that was more than a man. That was God in there. The one creator who could take cooked fish and break it off, and it was still cooked fish, took great bread and break it off. What kind of an Adam did he let loose? Hallelujah! He was God the creator of Adam's and all that. That was more than a man. Hallelujah. He was a man when he was out on that boat that night after preaching all day and healing the sick, so tired that 10,000 devils of the sea swore they'd drown him. That little old boat out there floating around like a bottle stopper. The great waves of fashion from place to place and him laying so tired so the waves didn't wake him up. The devils of the Lord said, we'll get him now while he's asleep. But when he woke, woke up there, he was a man, he was a tired. But when he put his foot on the frail of the Lord, Look at him, he said, he, he's still, and the winds and the waves obey him, that was more than a man, that was God, the creator who made the heavens. The one of the apostles said, what manner of man is this, even the winds and waves obey him. That was more than a man, that was God. He was a man when he was taxed the cross as a sacrifice to take away sin. He was a man with nails drove in his hands. He was a man with thorns over his head. He was a man with mockery soldiers spit on him. He was a man with bruised, stripes and wounded. He was a man. He was a man when he cried, My God, why has thou forsaken me? He was a man crying for help. But on Easter morning when the seals of death broke in the multitude, that was only a man. He proved he was God. Living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he just rise freely forever. Someday he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Oh, mid rendering rocks and darkening skies. My Savior bowed his head and died. The opening veil revealed the way to heaven. Joyously. No wonder any fruit screamed out all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate, fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown, Lord of all. That's that great person, the Lord Jesus. He was Jehovah. God unveiled his flesh. The Bible said, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in his name. The Bible said the whole family in heaven is named Jesus. And the whole family on earth is named Jesus. Let's pray in his name, live in his name, teach in his name, die in his name, burn in his name, baptize in his name, resurrect in his name, go to heaven in his name. That's his name and his bride, his name, Miss Jesus. Amen. He'll take a people out of Gentiles for his name's sake. And I'm not a oneness. No, sir. You Trinitarian people, get the house away from me. I am not a oneness. 
No, sir. I'm not a one that's neither a Trinitarian. I believe what the Bible says. Amen. That's correct. Amen. Amen. I get too much on one. What was that? Did I get it out? Or... Let's see. What was it? Oh, yes. That's right. About this. how the Father was in Christ. He was a man. He was a God-man. Does not the Pentecostal church baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, some of them? If a person dies without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, will he be lost? No, sir. If he's a believer, he'll come in the resurrection, the second resurrection. He's got the baptism, he'll go in the first resurrection. Now, you have to almost take the words. That ain't satisfying. Then you, you ask me, I'll give you scripture because I'm trying to get just two or three more here, then we're finished. Brother Bill, does the Bible say anything about gambling? Yes, it does, but I can't call it right now. I know the soldiers gamble for his garments and so forth like that, but I can't say Will you explain First uh, Corinthians fifteen twenty nine? Get it for me in there, if you will, brother uh, Neville. First Corinthians fifteen twenty nine. Go get it. Now, if maybe tomorrow I can get that for you again, like the that letter has spelled out by Carius Philadelphia. If you desire, let me know. Will the uh, prophecy of Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine be fulfilled uh, uh, before the rapture? I think not. I think the next thing we look for is the rapture of the church, and then that when Gog and Magog comes down is the Russian armies who comes in after, look, Mr. Bohannon used to be uh, the superintendent here of the public service company, a very fine Christian man, and he uh, talked to me one day, he said, Billy, I tried to read and I tried to ask my pastor to explain Revelation, he said, we got over there and we got it all mixed up, said John must have been eating some, something that night and had a dream. I said, Mr. Bohannon, shame on you. I said, he said, well, no one can understand that. I said, not no natural man, but the Holy Spirit can reveal it. He said, well, look here, uh, Billy. He said, the bride was standing on Mount Sinai, and here was the water spurted out of the mouth, was a dragon to make war with the bride, and the bride was in heaven at the same time. Figure that out. I said, Mr. Bohannon, the only thing that you've got, you've got three different things mixed up calling it the bride. You're calling the 144,000 who stood with the lamb on Mount Sinai the bride. They were not. You're calling the one to spurt the water out of his mouth to make war with the rim of the woman's seed, which was not the bride. That was what was left. The bride was in heaven, the 144,000 there, and the nominal Christian going here through the persecution. That's right. Now, now, brother, there's one, one people that believes that. They're baptized for the dead. That's the morning. And I've been to their temples many times. They're very fine people, and you made them one. Now, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but my dear friend, you can't be baptized for your father. That's the act he had to do. The way the tree leans, that's the way it falls. Paul speaking here was talking of the dead Jesus Christ. If the dead rise not, why are you baptized in Jesus Christ's name, then, if the dead rise not? See what I mean? Then you're, he said, let us drink and be merry. Or tomorrow we die, if the dead raise not. But he goes ahead and glorifies God for the resurrection of the dead. And we're baptized to Jesus Christ unto his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we're baptized into the dead. All right, I believe now this is just about one more exhibition. Brother Bill, please tell me how to, to obtain the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If it is by prayer, surrendered life, accepting it as we do healing, I know what it is to have faith for healing when you prayed for me here. Do you 
pray and lay hands on for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Please tell me if I should be rebaptized in the name of Jesus as you spoke recently. Now, my dear Christian friend, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm only laying the Scripture down. And you know what? how the Holy Ghost can come right now while we're speaking. The Holy Ghost is a gift of God. Amen. That's a gift of God. It can come while we're speaking. And I'll tell you, when, if the people were taught by it, some of you old-timers here, let me ask you something. You old-timers, that's been a tabernacle. Watch when I baptize people. And you minister, take this for an example. I taught those people to they had that life cleaned up before they went to that water. Now I had them believing that God was obligated to keep His promise. As soon as they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is right there to receive it. And when they come up out of the water, they receive the Holy Ghost. That's right. If you just shepherd, teach your sheep, get them in the Bible here, get away from the old textbook of some church, and get down here in the Bible where God talks, and you won't have those troubles. Yes, laying on of hands is how we can receive the Holy Ghost by some anointed person laying on of hands. Brother Bill, it is is it out of order for some one to get up and give messages in tongues while the preacher is giving out the word. This person's got three questions here. And the other one is, also, is it out of order to um, do likewise when the altar call is being made? A third, a third one. Also, it is, out of, is it out of order for someone to stand up in church and reprove a minister for something he has said or done during service and him behind the sacred desk. All these things has been done at the tabernacle several times. Now, let me get to this right quick. Now, this pertains to the church. Now, I, now to you strangers in our gates, I got to give the church a little spanking now. So you you just kind of hold off for a minute. Please, you Listen, my children. Those gifts are wonderful. Nobody knows how I appreciate you, and I love you with godly love. But those gifts can be harmed to you if you don't use them in the right place. Look at people today find that out on the field praying for the sick and charging money for it. That's wrong. If a man's got faith for healing and praying for the sick, he ought to be gentle enough to pray for people without money. Thank God. Brother, I want to say that not for myself, but for the glory of God. Not one time have I ever taken money from people or anything like that and turned down literally a million five hundred thousand dollars in one offering, and you know it was right here in the paper. See, that's right. It's not for, when you do that, you're going to lose your faith out yonder with God. Now, you people speak with tongues, and it's got gifts of tongues. God bless you. You're needed in this tabernacle. I want you here. But now, the, the thing's in order. Don't never do it while the preachers are preaching. If you do, you're out of order. See, you mustn't do it. For the Bible said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And when a man is preaching, he's got the floor, he's got the audience, the Holy Spirit's going to speak through him. When he's finished, then's the time for the message, you see. So don't get out of order. If you do, then you interrupt and you, you grieve the Holy Spirit which the message is going forth. Here in Algora, was in a meeting up here somewhere in Washington. Many thousand people were sitting there. And my manager, which is a real Bible expositor, he was standing there speaking on divine healing, anointing the Holy Spirit was speaking. A lady raised up and began to speak with tongues. 
And he waited just a moment, then he started going. The Holy Spirit began to grieve. You can see it in my feet when he started speaking in. And she raised up. He said, Sister, sit down in the name of the Lord. said, You're out of order. And the minister suffered over there and let her know. Now what it is, those gifts are in the world. They're in the church now. The gifts are in the church, but the poor little children get those gifts and don't have the teaching to know how to control it. If you miscontrol it, you'll do more damage than you will good. See? Just like a man going out praying for the sick and somebody getting healed saying, now you ought to give me a thousand dollars for it. Now he's done more damage than he has good. But there's a man went ahead and died instead of bringing such reproach upon the cause of Christ. Now, when, you, when the pastor or the evangelist or whoever it is is uh, preaching, hold your peace. Paul said to do that, you see. Now, and then he said, you may all speak one by one. That's true enough. And he said, I want that you all speak with tongues. That's good. But you can't speak with tongues that you have the gift of tongues. And no doubt at all, but what, there's many gifts of that in this church now. There's many gifts of it over here in the Methodist church. There's many of it over here in the Baptist church. If it was only preached so the gifts could go to operating, how if you put seed in the ground and don't cultivate it, what will it happen to you? See? It'll lay there and dry dust and rot. Yep. It'll do no good. These gifts have been in the church all along. But just now the waters begin to fall. The Pentecostal rain. The water to bring forth fruit. Now use it in the right place. Amen. Now, it said, well, I'll read the next question. Was there the person asked uh, when, the, when you're given an altar call? No, I wouldn't think then. If you notice and take Corinthians and read it, if some of you here, if, if you've got gifts of speaking in tongues, then you watch. And the Bible, when they had, after the service was over, the blessing of God come down upon the congregation, then they begin to speak. Then they begin to magnify God. And every time, there's a direct message to somebody. Now, you have to watch that now. See, it isn't just something in fleshly. It'll be a message to somebody for somebody to do something or something to edify the church. It'll be something to glorify the church. Therefore, the Pentecostal people have brought reproach to their name. The very name Pentecost, you can mention it and people just walk away and say nonsense because they've seen a lot of carrying on which the people deems in sincerity but wasn't taught. Paul said, when I come to the Pentecostal church over there, said, I'll set it in order. It's got to be in order. Everything must be done orderly, just as the Spirit orders. So he said, now, if something already begins to speak in tongues and the unlearned comes in, you say, well, aren't you all mad? Walk out. That's just what the Pentecostal church did. He said, now, instead of one of you prophesy and reveals the secrets of something, one of you be a prophet, in other words. He said, then won't the people fall down and say, God is with you. Well, how could I deny the gift of speaking in tongues when I'd have to deny the gift of prophecy? I'd have to deny these other gifts. Now, in most of the churches, the big churches, the Nazarene, Pilgrim, Holiness, and so forth, they think if a man speaks in tongues, he's the devil. That's blaspheming against the Holy Ghost, which is no forgiveness. Amen. That's what the Jews done. Made fun of the people with the Holy Ghost and were condemned and lost for it. Correct. But Jesus said, if you speak one word against the Holy Ghost, it will never be forgiven you in this world or the world to come. So be careful. If you don't understand, sit still. And you people who've got the Holy Ghost and call into offices, teachers. Now, could you imagine? Uh, here's uh, me standing here trying to teach. And your gentleman met up, sat him and started teaching at the same time. Another man said, oh, you're singing a Jubilee song. Well, what a confusion. Well, that's what it is about speaking in tongues. Let it come orderly. Just as the Spirit will give it, you can speak with tongues. Now you say, well, Brother Brown, I can't help it. Oh, yes, you can. Paul said you could. He says, everyone among you who speaks with tongues, 
and there be no interpreter, let him hold his peace. No matter how much he wants to speak, hold your peace. That's a gift, brother. I, I pray God let me have a revival here some of these days where we can get into them things for you, you see. Yeah. Where you can see it's a gift, and that gift wants to operate all the time, see. But you've got to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit here to know when and how to operate that gift. And that you say, well, glory to God. The Bible said when the Holy Ghost has come, you don't need any teacher. He's the teacher himself. Oh, brother, how can you be so little to read the Scripture? Why did the Holy Ghost set teachers in the church then? Say, so I don't have to have anybody teach me. The Holy Ghost teaches me. It does to a teacher. He set teachers in the church. He said, are all teachers? Are all apostles? All gifts of healing? The Holy Ghost set these things in the church. He operates them all. And each one of them operates orderly. Not just like my foot one thing. I'm going this way, this way. I'm going back this way. Now, what are you going to do? The hand says, I'm going, going up, and the other's going around this way. What kind of shape is the body going to get into? See? But now, if the mind here says, foot, move forward, both of you. Hands, you go with them. Head, you stay straight. Arms, you do the same. Everything walking in harmony. Now, when I get there, I haven't used my arms. Now the foot's done its duty. The pastor's too preaching. Now arms, you do your duty. See? See what I mean? But one of the arms is reaching out like this. Oh, where's it at? Where's it at? And the feet reaching. I think you're not there yet. See? Hold your peace, arms. It'll be time for you to use after a while. Wait till you get over there. See what I mean? That's the gift. That's the gift of the Spirit in operation. I love the Lord, don't you? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I know one thing I can say for you. You sure got patience. <laughs> Twenty minutes after ten. Now, friends, look at like this now. I this is the best of my knowledge. I have to hurry through a big bunch of them like that. If I if you don't agree with that, don't fall out with me. You be my brother, see. I love you, and I only say these things because that is in my heart. That's what I believe, and that's the way I explain it, and that's the way I bring it is from the Bible. Now, if you say, Brother Branham, I just don't believe it that way, that would be perfectly all right. See, we'll never think any difference. We'll just go right ahead as brothers and friends, and if you say, well, I, I believe if I brought the Methodist church or Baptist church, I'll be saved anyhow. All right, brother. That's perfectly all right. I'm still calling you my brother because you believe Jesus Christ. See? That's right. So we're going to be brothers and friends just the same. But I'm just laying down to this church, this few days here, the doctrine that this church stands for. Amen. That's what the church stands for. And if there's a deacon here that doesn't believe in the baptism in Jesus Christ's name and the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit being manifest, that deacon, right here, what I'm saying here, doesn't deserve to be in the church until he gets made right. That's exactly right. And the board ought to see to that. Exactly. This church is not controlled by deacons. This church is controlled by the Bible and the Holy Ghost alone. Now, so them things, we believe that's the doctrine of this church. We don't have any membership at all. There's nobody a member here, but everybody comes as a member. For we believe that we're all members of one body. By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we can train you, my dear Christian brother or sister, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Ghost. If you've already received the Holy Ghost, after you have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, 
God bless you. You say, Brother Branham, what should I do about it? The question was answered. I can only stay like Paul said. You must be baptized over. Now, look here. Acts, let read this. Galatians 1 9. Write it down, use right in your notes. Paul said the same man that said this. He taught this thing. You believe that now. Is that right, Paul? Ask, told them they had to be rebaptized again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Paul said, if an angel from heaven, Galatians 1 8, if an angel from heaven would teach you anything else besides this, let him be unto you a curse. If he's an archbishop, if he's a pope, if he's a minister, if he's a prophet, if he's a reverend, if he's an angel from heaven, or whoever it may be, he said, if they teach anything else besides this, let him be unto you a curse. Is that right? And he repeated again. He says, as I said, so say I again. If they teach anything else but this, let him be a curse. Is that right? So, Lord, bless you. I read it from the Word, and you make your decision. Now, how many love that good old song, My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away, and let me from this day be holy thine. I want to ask you something, you in this church. As a dying man preaching to dying man, realizing that this may be the last sermon I ever preach, and I try to preach every sermon that I do like it was my last one as a dying man to dying man. I ask you, my brethren, and my fellow citizens of this community and country, do you really feel that you need a closer walk with God after these services? God bless you. I, as a, your brother speaking to you, my sincere prayer is to you that you will receive this closer walk with God. And may at the day of judgment, one of these nights that I've been preaching, there will be as there's a great tape recording played on that day, and my voice will come out. And I'll have to stand there and give an account, for my words will either bless me or condemn me that day. And that's been my words for the last twenty-some-odd years as a little boy of about twenty years old preaching the gospel. And I'm forty-five now. And I've never changed it a bit because I couldn't change it as long as the Bible stays that way. I've rooted it into bishops and everything else. Now, I've never seen one yet that could speak contrary to it, according to the Word. They say, well, now, I was with this priest here a few days ago. He said, Reverend Branham, we don't take the Bible. It's the church to us, so you can't talk to that man. But if you're going to base it on the Bible, that's different. I pray that God will every one of my Catholic friends in here and every one of my Protestant friends, and even there no more, if any, I just love every one of you. God knows whether that's true or not. Watching a prayer line, one of blind, blind and lame. It doesn't say Catholic. Here says a man right here on the platform, right here, a Catholic, dying with cancer, eat up, come to my house. And the Holy Spirit come up on him, healed him of that cancer. He never told him whether he's Catholic or not. I never said a word to him. He come over and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost. There sits a man right there, a businessman in Louisville. And don't ask whether you're Catholic or not. It's whether your heart is hungering after God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Is that right? Amen. The Lord bless you. How many knows this good old song? Blessed be the tie that binds. How many people here over 
40 years old, raise your hands to me and say, I remember the old song from 40 years, Blessed be the tie that binds. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Don't you like them old songs? Listen, I want to say this. If we had more of those old songs, instead of so much of this carrying on that we do have, I believe the church would be better off. I like those good old songs that was penned by the Holy Spirit. Them old timers, they used to remember an old colored man used to sit out behind the house down there in the mountains of Kentucky when he'd get weary. He'd sit on that the old, old log and he'd beat his hands on the log. I remember Mrs. Well had a little rim of white hair around his head. He'd sing that old song and the song, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are ten thousand charms. Not much melody to it. How many ever heard that old song? My, that's fine. Listen.